Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Intermain, joined by Brian Brushwood. Hello. Justin Robert Young. Hi. Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hello. I am the robot voice. <laughs> robot voice, huh? Yeah, that's me. Replicated him. I'm a human. I am the robot voice of a producer. Yeah. That's my brother singing robot mm-hmm. voice. When you see a faded sign on the side <laughs> of the road, it's robot voice. I'm uh if you watch Westworld, they have this thing when they try to like put a human consciousness into a robot it doesn't work they press a button and like flames come down from the wheel building the the, the ceiling they just incinerate them <laughs> yeah. yeah oh no oh no my uh, <laughs> goodness we don't have the budget <laughs> cuz otherwise that would have been a great bit <laughs> that would have been <laughs> are you still watching westworld main yeah, so I went, went, worked my way, went back to watch some season one, season two, had a deeper appreciation watching season one and season two together instead of spread out over three years. Yeah. Uh, and because when you have too much time between episodes, you end up doing your own kind of theorizing and stuff. And you're like, what if it's this? And you're like, oh, okay, I guess it's about this. So then season three, I appreciated the theme of season three. The execution was a bit... You know, like the, the story could have been, you know, my analogy was like when they did the uh, Falcon uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier series yeah. was, and they showed like, you know, who was like the first super soldier and the idea that it was this, this black guy that was a victim of these experiments. And I'm like, I want that whole story. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, the I show. Want, like, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that yeah, that to me that's like that deep message there, you know, because showing people who feel they're righteous in that time and period doing bad things to me kind of is more of a relevant way for today. But anyhow, so that was I think like yeah, like yeah, this why can't we've got that? Um, so season three I think is a bit you know a bit about that, and then season four I'm up to like episode five or six. And oh, it's, have you not finished season the 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 most recent season four yet? No, oh. I have not. Okay. Brian yeah. was right about a lot of I stuff. Have thought, That's a review. I have thought. I, I, I'm curious because yeah, like everything just sort of like you have this sort of time frame. like, well, I know who this is. I know who that is. And you're kind of like, okay. And then they revealed and like, oh, you're like, yeah, no, that was pretty well broadcast. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I don't know if the surprises will have much payoff because you just are kind of like, you know, because I'm at the point like mid, yeah, mid midway in, because you're watching, you know, the you know, what if the robots gonna treat humans like this, and they're gonna be just extreme versions of us, either much worse or much better, and da da da. So anyhow, we'll see. Can I anyhow, say this? I'm, I'm, here to I'm talk over. About- I'm over surprises in general. In no my, more surprises. In my art. No, I just want. You want to know what? No more yeah. surprises. How about you just tell a good story and no surprises at all. <laughs> And it's count down to every I, every character's death on screen at all times. Sure. I'm gonna Let's give start you, there. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you two pitches. Yeah. One is the pretty cool Westworld, the early days of building Westworld, which would be super cool because you yep. got these robots. What else are you doing with them? Yeah. My other is the early days of Jurassic Park. Love it. 
Oh, sure. Like the first time they made a T-Rex, you know, like in some warehouse in San Diego. You like, know, like like, before like, somebody has the idea of why don't we develop, why don't we genetically engineer a lysine dependency so that they can't, you know, just break out yeah. of the island and go nuts. Yeah. Everything up to, yeah, let's buy an island for this. <laughs> Everything before. Yeah, because you could do, yeah, because you could do like, because remember in like the opening, like the Velociraptor is like shipped in, you yeah. know, or they open it up. And you're like, oh, like I guess it's like not site B or whatever. But like there, there's a point where like I'm like, yeah, that could be like you said before they figured out, like Brian's pointed out all the safety controls and all this other stuff. And, yeah. Or we can make it even younger and they're all infants and they're just like imagine pop culture stories and tell them as for velociraptors and <laughs> they, pleosaurs. When they were growing up, they had their version of Jurassic Park and it was called Dino, it was Dino Land, babies. and it would be on. Yeah. It would be on carts. It would be oh man, a land where dinosaurs are back alive again, and there's like advent, cartoon adventures going on there, and that so, inspires Jurassic Park. What what we really should be talking about though is today the historic launch of the Artemis rocket. What oh a beautiful sight! Amazing sight! Where yes. were you? Where were you when? They scrubbed that mission. Oh, I was oh. in my so, I was in my kitchen. Oh yeah, looking at Twitter. I was listening uh, to NPR, and they said, "But if it had gone, where would it be now?" <laughs> <laughs> and then they're all like, "Also, why?" <laughs> Which I thought was such a, a simultaneously brilliant and dumb question for an NPR investigator to be asking. Also, why? <laughs> well, well, but there is a very good why here because. Uh, this is a bit of a fiasco in my really? opinion. In the re- yes, it's the, it's the real Jurassic. So, so that, that my 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 uh, my sense on this was, and uh, uh, full disclosure, as I was doing the Patreon episode for PX3, I, I'll watch the Sunday shows that happen, and uh, there was a lot of coverage of Artemis. I think two of the shows actually were like semi-live, remote, uh, interviewing everybody with it. So obviously this was a big push by NASA that they wanted to make sure that this was a big gigantic idea. But when I saw it was scrubbed today, I was like, well, that's them. Them's the breaks when it comes to space travel, but, but uh, more of a fiasco than, than one might think. Huh, man. So they've had, the thing is they've had multiple wet dress rehearsals and they could never get through one completely without a problem. The last wet dress rehearsal, which was at the limit of like, hey, if we can't pull it off here, we may have to sort of push launch to a year later or whatever. They like got it. They couldn't pass it. There was like a valve thing, but like, oh, we got this valve issue. What we're going to do, we're ready to go launch. Even though we never passed a wet dress rehearsal, we'll go to launch and we'll treat that as a wet dress rehearsal and then a launch. And what do we have? A similar kind of few related sort of issue to the wet dress rehearsal. So they went to go long because like, oh, we got it. We got it. Nope, they didn't have it. This was a thing that if they they've never made it through a complete wet dress rehearsal, wet dress rehearsal. And today the failure was like, yeah, that was not a good plan. That was really not a good plan because <laughs> now it got scrubbed and they're saying Friday, we're going to try Friday. I would be shocked if you know, they weren't able to uh, fade, fade, fade that bet is what you're saying. If, if there's any off seas books that are taking action on whether or not Artemis will launch on Friday, then, then hammer the null. Did they, Yeah. did they just, so they failed their pre-launch tests and, and decided 
that they would not need to find a way to pass those tests before trying to launch They, they decided they got enough information to know they had enough information. That like, sounds like, 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 like it, wrong it, with that it, evaluation. Uh, uh, buckle up for this. As I understand it, it failed in different ways each time. So they figured yes. all they have to do is get started and... This will be the one where none of them, everything, the optimist in us wants to say, yes, it failed in a different way each time, which means each time, each part went right. Uh, uh, also, though, isn't this kind of the pattern of behavior that led to really, really terrible, horrifying tragedies, right? Like, like don't don't you it's want... It's rocket science! Yeah, don't you want everything? <laughs> isn't, isn't space and rocket travel, like, a, a measure... Uh, 25 million times cut once. Well, well, and, and uh, to be clear, and, and Andrew, correct me if I've misinterpreted this, but uh, specifically what they don't want to do is have any one part of the structure uh, from a thermal point of view, view have too wide of a swing where all of a sudden it gets either very cold or very hot. Uh, and so they're trying to either, I forget whether it's pre-cool or pre-warm, but they wanted to get everything so it's like it's all all the same amount of loosey-goosey and ready to go. And uh, they just couldn't get everything all temperature aligned. And so they were like, yeah, we're, we're going to try again. Yeah. So is, it, is, this a, is this a rocket problem? As opposed to... Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean... It, it, as opposed to an environmental problem, yeah, right? I mean, or, it's not like the weather. weather problem. Or, oh, this or, is a valve. Yeah, no, this okay. is like yeah, valve. Yeah, yeah. Valve's not behaving the way they're supposed to, yeah. I, yeah. I just imagine, like, if these are fixable problems, they should be able to... Resolve XM. the issues. Yeah, who built who built this rocket? Uh, Larry, Larry the Rocket Man. I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, I I mean, this is this. Who didn't build this rocket? Remember, this is the Frankenstein <laughs> yes. rocket that is. This is this is me um, leading you into explaining that yeah. for the audience. <laughs> yeah. So this was this was the offshoot of when we needed to have a replacement for the space shuttle. Uh, a plan was proposed, perhaps by the people who built the space shuttle, to say. Why don't we use the same solid rocket boosters, the same engine, the same everything, but we'll get rid of that reusable part, <laughs> you know, that pesky reusable part. We'll just take all the expensive non-reusable parts and we're going to put that into a rocket system because it'll be cheaper because it's the same gang. If you know anything about sequels and bringing the cast back together, it's never cheaper. Um, and it's rife with problems and it gets very problematic. So this was like trying to do a friend season 10 uh, and it's it's it was it was a dumb idea at the start. It was literally an idea. Basically, it's pork barrel politics to fund the different companies there that have pretty good lobbyists who wanted to push this thing for. It's an embarrassment of how much money we spent on this. Uh, and it's and I don't want to blame NASA because it, it, it is a, it is a it is a problem with the structure of, hey, we need to get these senators to vote for this. Well, these senators yeah. say, if you can't build this in my state, you're not going to get X. And you have to compromise. We force NASA to make all these compromises to have to bend to the political will of the people who finance this stuff. And then we, you know, we blame. I mean, there's some, I think, some elements of NASA that make it worse. But again, you got super hard, you got super hard working people everywhere. Everybody who worked on this thing, my heart goes out to them because these people have worked hard. Maybe not some of the mid-level bureaucrats and stuff that messed it up, but 
everybody else has. Uh, also, I do think it merits, like, uh, we live in the timeline where SpaceX uh, has highly successful reusable launches, uh, 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 Blue Origin is doing very well or whatever. There's another timeline where none of those paid off. They could never quite yeah. get them down. And uh, uh, We live in a timeline when we made it to the moon in eight years. Uh, Correct, but uh, uh, at extraordinary expense, right? And so uh, if what you're trying to do is politically salve the fact that we don't want to be dependent on Russian space program to go, I mean, at, at the very least, yes, it's a Frankenstein, but these are all familiar pieces, and none of mm -hmm. them are, are, are experimental. Uh, we just got to engineeringly figure out how to do it. So so I'm, I, I don't want to harp too hard on the decision to go forward and having this as a fallback, uh, I think has given NASA tremendous leverage with, uh, with SpaceX and, and all of its contractors going forward. I, 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 I agree that like having, you don't want to be completely dependent on one contractor, be it SpaceX or whoever, that's not a good place to be. And I get the idea of there being a wholly in theory, government owned spacecraft that although they can't, it's not really because it's, you know, so-and-so's engines and all this. I think that is a good way to hedge a bet. The problem is just, as you know, it's just that there was no stopgap to say, well, if this gets over this budget, we got to start over because clearly we're misaligned. And it just kept getting, you know, we're 25 years into this program, but 25 years into trying to use this approach to do it. You think about that. You think about that it was how much 25 years of trying to stick to this idea of reusing or more of trying to reuse the shuttle stuff for this, which was a dumb idea at the beginning. And that's like, when do you say, no, maybe, maybe, maybe we need to, uh, maybe to scrap this approach and do a different approach to build like clean sheet, build our own internal rocket at NASA. NASA has a capability. NASA could be building Falcon nines or stuff. It would cost them three X or four X. They could do it. Yeah. Oh boy! But, so, but but there is a massive expense of political capital to say out loud we're starting again from scratch, which is part of the reason the Russians, ironically, in the late '80s, refused to ever admit they had nothing resembling a functional uh, space shuttle. But they needed to keep up appearances, lest uh, uh, lest uh, the brinksmanship of the Cold War uh, 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 be fundamentally well, pivoted. The the Buran, had they not collapsed, the brand could have been a formidable thing flying today because the brand did a lot of things right that they, they corrected for a lot of mistakes on the shuttle. And the Moran did do a test flight. So, you know, considering uh, there's some amazing engineers there. My, my, my point is mainly that uh, there is a heavy, heavy cost to saying the quiet parts out loud. So mm. if we're frustrated because... They're not doing the obvious thing of announcing, we, we got Jack, we really should start from scratch. Um, I understand in the political sphere why many people would say, please don't do that. Please just yeah. keep, keep on doing this. It, uh, over here, it looks like this might pay off. Over here, it looks like this may pay off. Or, heaven forbid, we may actually have to make this thing work. And, and you'd rather yeah, spend I, the money on this solution than say, we need to start from scratch. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and the challenge is that that it, it, you know it, it creates kind of a Potemkin village of a space program, and like if it wasn't for SpaceX right now, the world would be extremely limited by satellite capacity because what happened with Russia, and that's that's sort of the scary sort of thing is to think if it wasn't for SpaceX, we would be talking about scary national satellite capabilities and other stuff, our inability to do that, partially because so much money and resources have gone into this thing, it's just been such a disaster. At least the shuttle. 
the shuttle program, the shuttle can launch national defense satellites, all these sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's hard. I get like yeah, it's like a lot of people inside NASA have been screaming and saying this is a horrible program, whatever. But it's like yeah, it's the the politics of it is just frustrating. Does what does Artemis ever launch, Andrew? And if so, when? I if we were sane, we would have scrubbed this program ten years ago. But there's Brian points out about the political will that you know if if the unless there's a major sea change in politics and the politicians behind the scene and given who's currently head of NASA, I would not surprise me if we just throw even more money at it, give it a new name, call it something else, but it's going to be the same players and the same fiasco. But never actually complete the. This Artemis. I think one we mission. might get a lot. I think we'll get it eventually. Eventually, we'll spend enough money to do it at a at a cost of our national defense and our space ability to really go into space. You know, I think we'll we'll lose. We're going to lose big by that. I stumbled across an old article from Smithsonian Magazine that I just uh, many people I'm certain have heard of all of this, and it makes sense. It's not rocket science, although it is. Uh, but 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 just just. <laughs> Think about this. Uh, the world's, do you know the story of the world's first space ace? The first guy space to ace? get on a plane. It was an F-15, and it flew high enough that it was able to target an actual satellite. Oh, yeah, using, yeah, Javelin-type style. Yeah, yep, yeah, and, and launch a two-stage rocket from the plane and take out a satellite from an airplane. And wow. Uh, and and uh, of course, at those velocities, there was no ordnance. There was nothing to explode. There was nothing to arm. It's just like all it's got to do is clip it, and, yeah. we're, and you're done. That's I, it's remarkable. That's cool. Yeah, that's a thing that you can do. Uh, sounding rockets, they don't have to reach the point of escape velocity. It just has to intercept. So if you send something up, it doesn't have to go seventeen thousand miles an hour. It just has to go fast enough. Like you could you could send something over the moon and back to the Earth and never go reach escape velocity because it's not going to go fast enough to escape Earth's velocity. Uh, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Remember it's amazing. You think about that. Like the guy who gets to say, I, I did that. I took out a satellite. <laughs> wow. It's pretty dope. Uh, the, the, there was another article I stumbled across speculating on uh, here on earth. We have the very large array of radio space telescopes um, or ra- uh, radio telescopes. Uh, but the question was, uh, w- might we get far, far superior imaging than we do from the James Webb Space Telescope if we just kind of like, almost like an environmental decree, decide that the dark side of the moon is sacred and is only for radio telescopes so that you're totally shielded from all the noise from Earth and when the sun is behind you, suddenly you have... A, a, a one sixth the one third the size of the planet Earth sized telescope uh, that gets the most extraordinary images we could ever get. Uh, that sounds cool. I'd be down for that. Um. All yes, yes, and all of the above. Like I, we you know we we imagine the future is sort of a slightly bigger version of the present, but when you look at, imagine going back in time. 30 years and showing people pictures of Shanghai and Dubai. Yeah. And when, when people talk about like, Oh, I don't know. That's the scale of that. It's just too ridiculous or this or whatever. It's like, 
you sure? Like, 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 you know, we're, you know, crossing the Bay Bridge. I'm like, imagine trying to explain this bridge to somebody 300 years ago, 200 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the people live on it. There are villages here along the way, right? You know, like, no, well, where do the horses get water? You know, where do they drink? You know, <laughs> I mean, just, thir- just 30 years ago, we couldn't explain what the three sea- seashells were for. Oh, my God. Now we know. I'd feel so stupid if I didn't know. Yeah. Be a real ding dong. Yeah. The kind of idiot that wouldn't go to patreon.com slash weird things. Why? At patreon.com slash weird things, you can support this very program. Head on over there right now. Not only will you have the self-satisfaction of supporting your favorite science program, you will also get after things earlier and have access to our subscriber-only Discord channel. Why, friends, when you are a subscriber to patreon.com slash weird things, you can put your custom RSS feed in the podcaster of your choosing. No logging in. No remembering passwords. It's just that easy. Patreon.com. Slash weird thing. And never forget the weird things pledge. We will never, ever fly an F-15 and shoot down a satellite. That's right. That ever. you own. The, yeah. That you own. That you own. That you own. Yeah, actually. Yeah. That, that you own doesn't include China. As long as you're paid up today. <laughs> <laughs> Russia or allies. Uh, weird things hey, reserve uh, the right to shoot down whatever satellite they want. Speaking of crazy people launching stuff, yeah, um, I'm a I'm a fan of an entrepreneur with a rocket company that likes to take big bets, do innovative stuff. You know, he has a bit of a funny accent mm-hmm. to my American ears, mm-hmm. but this guy seems pretty clever. On top of it, now he wants to launch something crazy into space. Like you, Procon, y'all heard you heard about this? You know, what I'm talking about, uh- of course. The yes. what? Peter Beck of Rocket Lab. Yep. Big, big Beck so Rocket, over here. Peter Beck. Rocket Lab is another really, I think they're a pretty cool space uh, technology company building. Their, they've got their own plan for reusability. They've been putting stuff into orbit. Peter Beck seems like a pretty thoughtful uh, leader of the company. And we've showed before the plan they have for one of the big rockets where he was like sitting inside of the shell eating his hat because he's like, oh, we were never going to go do this approach. He's like, guess what? We're doing this approach. So I'm going to eat my hat. They've got a project they want to do. They've built their own thing called, I think, Photon, which is basically a system that can be sent to other planets. And they are self-funding their own mission to the clouds of Venus to look for signs of life. Uh now, are, are, are they going to try to blimp it up, or are they just going to send in probes no, and see no, what they fall, can get? fall, fall, fall. Yeah, yeah the, not, not overcomplicated. Just a probe that goes into there. They're working with some, I think, group at MIT that's got a very unique idea, uh, idea for, like, basically a laser to scan the cloud vapors for signs of what could be life. Because there is what's interesting about Venus is they found phosphines, which, as far as we understand it, phosphines on Earth are generally created by biological life forms venus is a very weird melting pot of chemical reactions going all the time so god knows what it's cooking up like you can have oceans of silly putty there for all i know um that is not technically accurate but anyhow (laughs) the they want to do an experiment to say if there's life there would probably have to be in the clouds and so maybe we can see that so that's their plan is they're sending the photon into venus and like this is like legit like launch windows next year damn wow so this is gonna happen what happens if I, we I do give find it a high probability? What what, 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 are, are, uh, what launches first, Artemis or this? 
what does a meaningful science experiment first? This or Artemis? Yeah. I mean, I think Artemis is going to launch. Let me make that very clear. Before I this or total- after this? I think before this, I think that so many reputations are uh-huh. at stake and mm-hmm. so many people are there that like that the cost, the final bill to get it to launch. Uh, of course, you know, we could get like the human genome project. Remember when cellular genomics was on the path to beat the government effort to map the human genome and they declared a tie. Yeah. And they both got to cut the ribbon at the same time. It's like, you know, there's there is a non-zero probability. The SLS starship. <laughs> I mean, that will never happen, but that would be kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, so w- but, if, if uh, they do find signs of life in in the clouds of Venus, what, is, yeah. what, ha- what well, next? Uh, uh, and are we just going to call them women? We declare <laughs> war. Uh, uh, keep, keep in mind, this isn't too far off. Uh, uh, Venus is about the same size as Earth, uh, same gravitational weight. Um, uh, most of our clouds... The droplets and uh, snowflakes begin to nucleate around bacteria that are just sort of floating on the surface out there. So, between the the ice cold of space and the the melting face death of of Venus, there has to be a, a Goldilocks zone. So, I, 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 there's no technically there's no reason that we shouldn't expect to find something. Yeah, I it, it's you know we we found. Since we've been finding extremophiles on Earth, the 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 one limitation I would say is that there's some theories that like life may have originated inside volcanic vents. That the most more extreme environments may have actually been where you got the life may have originated because of the amount of energy, the amount of chaos that you get that may create something that eventually you, it's like a very very fast system to kind of try new combinations. So as far as the cloud, the thing with Venus, be like, okay, where would life have started there? Could it have started in the upper atmosphere? And that's, you know, there's some ideas that that's where like organic molecules on Earth formed. What is pretty can be demonstrated. What what what? uh, Let's say let's say there is life on in Venus, and we bring a sample back. What do you want? What do you want life on Venus to be able to do? Should should it like uh, scrub oil out of the ocean? Should it? uh, I don't know. Make hydrophobic coatings over look at what colonizer bryce already trying to enslave whatever life is on venus not not to be like uh uh, patronizing but i'm like super impressed i'm like they grow up so fast (laughs) like (laughs) god the subjugate subjugate them Put them under Venusian his governor. Uh, so, so Venusian wh- governor Christoph Bryce. <laughs> exactly. I'm just I, when they say breakthrough science is possible. I've come to liberate you, <laughs> says Bryce as well, he steps out of his Venusian let's, ship. We we let, let, we let, have zoos and farms. Let let's uh let's speculate wildly. Um, you know, uh uh uh, uh for example. If it's an extremophile that is able to tolerate extreme temperatures and, and bizarre conditions, mm. uh, keep in mind, like, you know, we came up with some kind of, you know, carbon whatever tiles for our heat shields on reentry for all of our capsules. Uh, I believe it was Japan that just put wood on the bottom and just let the wood burn up and, and fall off. Uh, uh, it could be that coating a spaceship in a particular type of Venusian algae or something might have unique properties that could maybe convert it into energy or dissipate heat or, or be more resilient. Uh, there's a lot of organics that are used 
for you know everything from uh, I, I may be wandering out of my field here, but you know bulletproof materials, nano uh, fibers, and so on. I yeah. mean, it's it's the stuff we don't know, but but I think you're exactly right, Bryce. It's it's that that's why you want to go find out, so you can poke around and find out. Yeah, maybe there's a what new if, fuel there. Maybe we replace. Maybe there's. Or, uh, or 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 what if there's superconducting properties to it, and yeah. all of a sudden we have what if it rates skittles? Hybrid. Yeah, <laughs> what if there are moths that taste like curly fries? So we gotta look it, first. One of the two of the biggest developments in biotech was uh, CRISPR and Cas9, which was the discovery of bacteria that can repair their own genetic sequences. They have the little bit things that go up and down there and do that wow. in a hostile environment like that. Could be, you know, was it Dianicus, whatever, I can't pronounce it, Radianus, which is the one they found in the nuclear pools, the one that like you just you scrape, you just rip apart its DNA and it reassembles itself. Oh, wow. And so, and if you have life in hostile environments, like, yeah, you, you might find some amazing little solutions they've come up with to do this. Although I would argue that we're in the verge with computer science where we might be able to run really cool simulations to discover like things like that but yeah like we don't and we don't know it'd be cool like f look life on venus yeah venusian venusian living the likes of which you've never seen Fabrice, now with venus air open floor plan (laughs) a conversation open floor fan because there's no floor (laughs) it's just gas yeah Gassing it up. Yeah. Gas McMansion. <laughs> I, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Brian's got a thought. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, 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 I think, I think it was one of the episodes where, uh, you were on assignment, but we were talking about, uh, uh, lunar lava tubes came up in the news and they were saying that there are sections that, uh, all year long, uh, there are pockets of the moon that stay at around 67 degrees Fahrenheit. And, uh, yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, the moon got way more attractive because we'd previously discussed it. It's like, hey, what's the point of, you know, if you're going to get out of the gravity well, might as well go straight for Mars. And it's like, well, I don't know if we can actually have a little, you know, Manhattan-sized city on on the moon. Why not there? And then, uh, I don't know, uh, Venus is back in play. Uh, uh, is, it, is it Titan that's covered in, in methane? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is is deadly deadly gas in considered in play? Uh, or do we do we know how or what does in play mean? What are we? Oh, I, I mean, as far as like uh, in our lifetimes, where we're going to get to see uh, significant ex- exploration, if not the beginnings of co- uh, colonization. Yeah, I mean, certainly in play, right? Yeah, if we can get there, that's that's step one. It feels like, aside from Artemis, we're pretty close to getting to a lot of places. <laughs> Got to get there and back. Yeah. Mm. Uh, by the way, if there's a if there's a movie, if they redo Deep Impact or Armageddon, I just want to see like this ragtag, all of the spaceships going up, and, and Artemis is like the um uh uh, uh the Randy Quaid of the bunch. Who's <laughs> <laughs> just like, I'm gonna make it. I'm in space. So, uh, totally unrelated to space now, I've got an interesting sort of story. Go. So, I'm going to play a mystery. There are some divers in off the coast of Canada 
And anybody care in the Arctic Circle care to guess they're trying to do retrieval? Anybody care to guess what they're trying to retrieve? I mean, I would immediately I want to say some well-preserved woolly mammoth. Hopefully one so well-preserved we can cook it and eat it. Oh. Edible woolly mammoth. I'm going to say... ultimate edible. <laughs> and of I... course it has to be in Canada where they're legal. Yeah. Especially up there. I don't care. Yeah. Up in Canada. In the Arctic Circle. Yeah. Lawless. You know what Ar- they say? What's that? Uh, if you're having an edible... In the Arctic Circle, uh-huh. yeah, you better uh, get ready for a long work. day because the sun's out all day. Made yourself I, into a corner with circle, huh? Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. Not too many things rhyme that with one, circle. Put that yeah. one on a tea towel. Uh, <laughs> all right, so cross stitch it. <laughs> I'm gonna say a submarine. Oh, that's a good one because you know it's dangerous, know. treacherous. Russia sends. You're crazy. And, and yeah. I, I, I have the news is it's, 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 this is successful as of just a couple hours ago. Oh, I wow. the story a couple of days ago. Oh. They were a success. Maybe yeah. uh, uh, a diving team. So it's underwater. Uh, maybe a plane. Maybe like a a, a, pl- a plane, I'm going to say. Crashed. Like a plane. Like a, a, a little. A little uh, not a plane. A, 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 no. Amelia Earhart action. Yeah. Like yeah, Bryce. Plane. Dumb. A dumb idea, idiot. Oh, okay. Dumb. <laughs> Maybe. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, they're pulling it out there because it doesn't belong there. Oh, because it doesn't belong there. Mm. Asteroid? Mm. Uh, nope, there is another mission we could talk about, but this is... Uh, you ready for this? Let's go. Summerware, summerware. A Ford F-150. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait. Spoiler alert, they're getting it just for the catalytic converter. <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. can buy some meth. They are meth heads. Some, some Alaskan meth heads hurt. No. So there is this thing called the the uh, uh, the Transglobal Car Expedition, and they were sending this Ford F-150. It's like super kitted out. It's sort of like a to-go map out the course or whatever to do it. <laughs> and then it broke through the ice and sank. No. And like, like, yeah, we got to pull this out because this is a very special ecosystem. So they like, managed to rescue it. Wow. When you want a truck, <laughs> you need to get it out Ford F-150. Like a rock. <laughs> Tough it enough to sink into the, the Arctic Circle. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, nobody was hurt wow. when it sank. Um, Good. But, yeah, uh, so that's a thing that can happen. You safe out there? <laughs> it's like a movie. Don't all movies teach us not to do this exact thing? <laughs> to- you need a real truck. I mean, I'm <laughs> talking ice cracking, gum flapping. You, you don't even need to go to the movies. Just go to, to, to the sports bar and watch the chive. They got, they got cars <laughs> driving on ice that fall in there all the time. <laughs> So here's, I'm going to read you the, the, this is a really neat, I think this is a cool expedition from what I'm reading about it. Uh, that's an expedition to kind of make their way around the world. Uh, and uh, Transglobal, I'm reading it to the, in order of press releases from the None of News, Transglobal Car Exhibition Reaches Resolute Bay, uh, talking to the Novelic Tlognic peoples. Uh, then uh, Towering Sea Ice, and a lost Ford truck, team treks from Yellowknife to Resolute Bay. <laughs> like, literally, like, the press releases, and then uh, Rescue Operation press release. And so I think we'll get a new press release pretty soon that we've rescued it. But it's just sort of funny reading, hey, we're going to go explore the world. 
oops, lost a truck. Uh, now we're going to find it. Now we got it. All right, carry on. It'd be so great if it just started up. Oh, yeah. They just... <laughs> Ooh, okay. All right, I'll drive back. See you guys. Hop on in the back. Check. If you go to transglobalcar.com, go to transglobalcar.com and you go to the back, bottom, scroll to the bottom of the page, you can actually see the route they're taking, which I could see why it might be problematic. Well, let's see here. Recovery operation. Hey. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Good Lord. Now, that is um, around the world. Uh, they, uh, and it is starting from... I guess they, there are a couple of sensible parts where they put it on a boat. From the North Pole down to the South Pole, back up to Denmark. Wow. That's, uh, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of driving. Yeah, can you do... Is that... Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, it's it, it had some flaws considering they lost the truck and the and and, and the drink, and it, it looks like from where they began, it was uh, it was it was early in the uh, early in the process. Uh, I huh. it scroll down to see the the main team. Okay. Yeah. Oh my! Wait, who's Vasily? This dude. <laughs> That's they a, find him in the ice. <laughs> they, they found him at the end, uh, right before the credits of the thing. <laughs> These, yeah, if you said, do you, if you're asking, like, if I had to choose from a list of what this team was doing, yes, uh, Arctic exploration to the far ends of the planet, 100%. Yeah. Um, Seems like that's like a big thing for them. You know what's weird is I thought it was rude for the NPR guy to ask why go to the moon, but I feel no hesitation saying, why? Why are you driving a truck across the North Pole? And why do you have that lack of hesitation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm asking you, Brian. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Where, fair yeah, enough. Where, and okay, also, where are, you, where are you gonna, where are you gonna go to the bathroom, man? Welcome Larry to no, Brian's no new service. Substack. Yeah, <laughs> Brian's new Substack called Huh. huh. <laughs> For it or get it, the Brian Brushwood blog. So, uh, they put some trucks around the world. Why? 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 Be sure to subscribe to my Substack. No, no, be back back next week. But like going to the moon, there are significant discoveries to be made about habitation, about living on the moon, about colonization of the stars. We're getting a two-paragraph Substack from Brian today. Uh Oh, Oh my God. All right. Look, you're right. I said too much. Subscribers only. (laughs) (laughs) Huh.substack.com. Huh? 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 Uh... Yeah, so I think it's cool. I mean, listen, yeah. driving around like that, teams, international teams, people coming together, I think that kind of stuff is really cool. And and kudos to them for, you know, pulling the truck out of the water, you know, because that had to be uh, expensive pack and a big in, effort. Pack out, bro. Re- yep, yep, respecting the ecosystem. I think that these things, uh, you know, what I love about our country is our national parks. And I think that is really as much as we fault ourselves for many things as we should and be open minded, but we should also credit the fact that if you go look at a map and you look at how much area is designated state in natural park, it is a considerable amount. And we were a leader in doing that. Other parts of the world, even really developed parts of the world, they don't have as many private, don't have as many public lands like we do that are preserved like that. A lot of it's just all owned by somebody and you have to get permission to go there if you want to go fishing and do that, uh, which is one of the things that like a lot of my European friends love about America is that you want to go to our national parks 
get licensed, go fish. You can do a lot of stuff, which is cool. And so preserving that, I think, is, is great. Somebody in the chat said, built fjord tough. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, that is a great logo. Uh, like some rocks next to a sea. I, I, I don't even mind that that's the wrong brand. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> oh, man, we stayed in the truck. Bye-bye, <laughs> Uh, we have time for one more story. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, why not, man? So I want to get a, this, this might be some hot takes here. I'm very curious to see your opinion on this. Did we talk about the company's story file? I don't think I so. I don't remember it. Mm-mm. So uh, what they do is, let's say you're uh, you're reaching your, your end. You're reaching the point in life where you're like, you know what? I don't have a whole lot more time on this planet. Mm-hmm. But man, people may have some questions for me. People may want to know things and I might be able, may not be able to answer them. So what they do is they sit you down, they put multiple video cameras on you, then they ask you hundreds of questions about different things. And then they create kind of a digital version of you. And then when you pass on, that's available. They did this with Ed Asner. And so at, at, at Asner's uh, memorial, boom, there's a video screen with Ed Asner that you can you ask could, Ed Asner questions. Oh, wow. So you um, could, it was, it was, uh, 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 on preset questions or was it like, like, like a natural language AI, like Siri kind of thing that was plugged in with that information? I don't know the, the total details of it, but people could just sit there and ask questions. Fascinating. So ask questions. That I, is amazing. I'm going to do that. Just would you like to do that right now? I would. Oh my dear. With William Shatner. Wait, what? Isn't he's he not still dead. alive? Well, he is, know. but yeah. he's also a part of it's the... It's coming up. He's a part of the... the uh, ask him, should we go to Mars? Should we go to Mars? Ask a question. Let's see, is he going to speak? So I have been interested as a result of playing Captain Kirk in Star Trek. Uh, I was actually interested in science fiction and uh, all the possibilities, the potential of science fiction before Star Trek, but Star Trek uh, and its popularity and people asking me, what do I read? And So I read a lot of science fiction and started to write science fiction. I met Eric Von Daniken, who has promoted this idea that aliens have come to Earth and helped mankind with all these projects that, that have no explanation. There are huge rocks and... and I think this, uh, <laughs> this, I think this, this is more literal. This is shockingly like actually talking to William Shatner. <laughs> this is the most authentic representation. I think, I think they asked him a lot of questions about being on TV, not a lot about space. <laughs> It looked cool. It they, well, no, let's let, let's let's ask him something that would be that would be more like at a memorial. Like, like, uh, what is your greatest memory? What maybe? Uh, what is your greatest memory? What are you most proud of? Oh, there we go. what? Are, yeah, what are you most proud of? Most proud. There we go. Of question mark. Ask the question. All the kids are crossing their fingers. <laughs> well. Depending on what phase of life, I, I, even to this day, somebody found it. It's on a mantelpiece somewhere, on a 
shelf. Little tiny cup, about that size, with my name on it, at this camp where I performed that play that I talk about. I performed uh, in a play in, in a camp, and I was six years old. And they must have given me this cup. And I've kept it all these years. I'm with these top professionals at Stratford. What is the opposite of the <laughs> uncanny valley? Where, where, where there is no uncanny valley. And it's like, yeah, Mount, no, I, uh, I, it's, I, I it's just, called, it's called no, Mount no, Canny. <laughs> I believe that this is just a Skype call. <laughs> yeah. Like five or six people up for the same one. But I want to see you go, bleh. if I see, bleh, I know the rest is going to come out. I'm looking, what? I'm What's he going to say? And the winner is, is he going to say, bleh? he says, and I turn around. You now have the authentic experience of everybody who waits four hours in line at Dragon Con. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly what you get this on the other incredible. end of it. It's uh, pretty amazing. Ask. Uh, do we? I mean, I think we get. I think we understand. I could do this all day. I know. I understand. You should. I, I know you could. I know you could. I know you could. So, Andrew, you brought story file to us. Um, Are you going to story you. file yourself? I think that. I think we've we've talked a lot. The idea of creating your sort of digital version of yourself that can answer questions has been a thing in science fiction for a long time. And it's neat to see here's a company that's actually made something. And in the case of like with Ed Asner, where apparently his family was touched or one of the family was that they were very touched by this because here is an opportunity to talk to somebody and ask a question you never had a chance to ask. Using an AI, using a system like here, it's using just a recall system to basically pull up stories from what you're doing. But you could do a thing. You could take somebody like William Shatner and say, hey, uh, do you want us to use all of your biographies, the, all, all your autobiographies? Um, yeah. Do you want us to use all this stuff to then even give it way more and let a digital voice reenact this, say this? We're at the point right now where, yeah, you get it. This was a pretty compelling, this was a neat experience. And yeah. you could think about like, uh, you know, I went to went to David Copperfield's museum and David gives you this very detailed history of magic sort of lesson, tells you about, you know, all these little things he has there. The idea of a David Copperfield digitizing everything he knows, his career, his all sort of stuff and being able to interact with that as a magician would be amazing because you could just all the questions that I want to bother him with that uh, he's got better things to do than answer. That would be great. You start thinking about your really great teachers, really great people, you know, think about Brian, think about a version of you that constantly updates this. There's a membership program where people can go in and ask you stuff and it's virtual you and stuff that you said before we're there now. It's exciting. And if you mix in, you know, ge voice generation, speech and voice synthesis, uh, you know, even some of the machine learning things, both of uh, images even, and video. Even like yeah. a linguistic fingerprinting to match the, the, the way you tend mm -hmm. to write. Yeah. I, I, think, would, I, I would wonder exciting. if you just like entered everything that somebody's ever done and then you interacted with them like that while they were still alive, how much, I mean, I assume the fidelity would be great, right? Cause that's the only, the only worry about this as a legacy tool is that, you know, at, at, at some point a quirk in how the machine is interpreting the data becomes the story as opposed to what somebody might actually have thought. But I would, I would love to see, 
you know, some, some real world, you know, double barreled examples of like, Hey, ask this real person, ask the, the, the sum of all their work. What, what a they might fidelity believe. test, if you will. Indeed. The, uh, there's okay, already uh, interesting experiments. Um, uh, uh, there was a You Are Not So Smart article on it uh, uh, talking about how there's an Oculus VR thing. I think we might have mentioned it on this show where it's like you talk to a fake Dr. Sigmund Freud and you explain your uh, problem and you talk it out and he nods or whatever. Then you press play and you switch roles and you watch yourself explain. And once you are physically outside of the body, you're like, oh, you're just covering up the fact that what you really want to do is this. This is a bunch of BS, what you're spinning right now. It, it, that, that perspective shift seems to be significant. So I wonder if even before these are memorials for the deceased, they, they would be functional ways to self, uh, self-cross-examine. Well, and again, this they're not pushing it just as for the deceased. They're putting it for anybody who wants to interact with, you know, William Shatner. But yeah, I think to your to your like interrogate yourself, ask yourself stuff. I think digital therapists, I think that they're going to get yeah. really good very fast and you're going to see a lot of pushback because you're going to, you know, realize that, oh man, I could just have this long-going conversation for nothing to nothing and you know, I think therapy is one of these things. There are probably people who are exceptional at it people who are mediocre at it and people who are really bad at it. And you don't know is somebody going to it, who you're experiencing. I would like my therapist to be more of a robot. Like I think that, yeah, that, yeah just, just, I need, I need, I need people to be precise about therapizing as opposed to just kind of winging it and thinking that they're weird shamans of the mind. Well, Justin, first, oh, only an idiot calls it therapy. Only an idiot calls it therapizing. <laughs> Because, like, I actually respect my therapist the most because he's so good at not saying anything. And the moment I find myself creeping up on a question and I'll, I, I, I realize, of course, you're not going to answer. You're not in the answer giving. You, you're just going to ask me what I think about it. And so, I'm, all right, fine. All right, here's what I think about it. And I stopped seeing my therapist because he didn't talk enough. And I'm like, this is what I do for a living, man. I'm I'm paying you to like like uh, 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 at least ask some good questions, uh, uh, because otherwise, like, he's, he's like, oh, how does that make me feel? It's like, what do you think I do for a living? All I do is talk about how this makes me feel. And this, like, I, I want to robot. I think there's good chances that something like this shows up in the next few years, because that that is an industry that is kind of. Uh, uh, it, worker starved a little bit exactly you know? um my understanding is that uh you know there are therapists and then there are like r- registered uh clinical nurse it's it's it they the, they've kind of brought up the definitions uh and then psychiatrists and- well and then or, but but yeah like- but yeah but you have like like all of better help for example is by and large a lot of people that are in a in a in a step below accreditation there can of there are specific specific type of registered nurse yeah there's somewhere it's between life coach and psychologist well, right or psychiatrist whichever whichever the one that can't prescribe drugs they're they're in the, they're in the demigod category and with, with how pervasive something like better help is um i could totally see them trying to do this right oh talk to e janet and she'll listen to you call me e janet oh, oh, uh, <laughs> You know what I wouldn't even mind is if um, 
I'll use promo code beep boop. So, so it's like, uh, Thank uh, you. when, when I was paying for uh, gym training, I would never mind it. If, if uh, my trainer came up and was like, all right, you got to get warmed up, do 10 minutes of this, 10 minutes of this, 10 minutes of this. She didn't need to be around for all that part. Uh, and then show up. So it's like, I could totally see going into a therapy session where it's like, work with the E trainer, figure out exactly what your real questions are. So that when I come back in 30 minutes, I can answer your real questions. Yeah, it's, I think, cause some people, I think for therapy is they just want a, a, a neutral party outside of their life to talk to. And I think that's a case where it can sometimes like, yeah, just have a person you pay to talk to and not judge you. And then for trying to get the work done or figure stuff out, you know, for me, it's always just been books have been helpful for me, but like I get, I get, I don't know. I've never gone to a therapist. Cause like, to me, it's like, I feel like I'm just going to get like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I think I ask myself that all the time. So, you know, it just be a kind of a loop. So. There yeah. is something different about saying it out loud though. I'll, I'll, I'll attest to that. Uh, e- even if it's an audience of just one, it, it's different. It's, it's different. There's thinking it, there's saying it out loud with only you in the room. And then they're saying it out loud, knowing literally one other human on the planet yeah. is hearing these words. Fine. I'm offended by animal nudity. Okay. I've said it. I know it. it. This is a big sweater. Dogs and cats prancing around. No pants, no nothing. I mostly get mad at therapists because I think I'm better at their job than they are. <laughs> I, I bet you're right. You should tell I your therapist you that. I, I, I did. I just, I did. <laughs> I did tell my therapist that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, and like it's a, it's a high bar. Like, look, I'm I'm really Maybe. good. I could tell you how to do your job better right now, but that would not be useful to me. Now, if I had a robot, yes. then I like like that would be the inky poo to my John Henry. Like, I would eventually lie battered and broken with my heart exploded in front of my computer because the great the great machine would would beat me. It beat you. I all I know is Defeat. all yeah. the messed up people. All, all the messed up people I knew when I was younger, like all everybody I knew who ended up being a therapist was just really screwed up. Like, I was just I, really screwed. The up. most horrifying. Uh, it took me until you know about a year ago to to do any kind of therapy, and the reason why was because we had a free promo code for World's Greatest Con. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, and it largely because I spent one night partying with people who were getting their doctorates uh uh for that field and i was like you guys are by far the most effed up people i have ever been around and it took me minutes and i grew up in south florida like there's no shortage of insane unhinged characters that i have been exposed to and all of you are the worst and it's not close and i i, I did not go to a therapist until last year I- Wow. I just like, like in high school, if your car's broken, who are you going to ask? The person with the broken car or the person <laughs> with the really good running car? The kids, the kids in, sh- you know, auto class who know how to fix this stuff. And like, you know, I don't know. I just, everyone I've known, everybody I've known, I have friends whose parents do this stuff. They're crazy. Nuts. They're crazy. <laughs> Nuts. Like and like dangerous. Like, like like I don't know if I want you to have my phone number. Crazy. Wow. And I I had a friend that was going to see a therapist, and she said something. He's like, "Yeah, my therapist and I, 
we we were dropping some acid and one of the things i read i'm like wait what and this is like 20 plus years ago i'm like you know that's unethical illegal and extremely well but we get along really good i'm like this sounds like a drug dealer and not really a therapist and and this it's is a, a person who's licensed to perform in. it's a great in <laughs> yeah this is a person who's licensed to perform and whatnot and again actually using microdosing things like that for treatment completely different subject that's Sure. There may be some really legitimate use for that stuff like that, but this was just like, ah, you know, this is some not even psychosis. Oh, let's drop some and then we'll figure out, we'll figure this stuff out. Like, hmm. I, I, I do think that there is a worth to therapy, and 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 I don't want to leave yeah, this on on a negative on a negative light totally about it because uh, uh, I I did enjoy a few of the sessions, uh, uh, but uh, again, I think this is a me problem, not a not a him problem. I was yeah, just, a thousand percent. I, was, I think I was anybody who's talking. Him. Yeah, I think thousand percent. Like I say before, I think there are some people probably high quality, some not. Like doctors or anything like else like that, don't be afraid to say, "Hey, this is not the right person for me" or whatever. I think there are really capable people out there that can help people get mm-hmm. through stuff. I just the problem is there's so many charlat. It's hard to spot a charlatan. Exactly. And and the, and the danger of therapy too. It's like okay, you know, the, a doctor will have a practice and want to treat X number of people, and you kind of treat people. You treat them till they die, and hopefully you keep them alive long enough to keep treating them. In therapy, you're not incentivized the same way because it's like, oh, I, I can fix you in three sessions and you're done. That's not a successful therapy practice if you don't have enough people coming in. And now that Andrew and I have excoriated <laughs> the world of therapy, we'd like to direct you to the works of L. Ron Hubbard. Dianetics <laughs> right. is among the most popular books that... Talk about messed up people wanting to get into mental health. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's... Look, it's it is it is difficult to like find because it is very valuable because it it can be very powerful, you know. Yeah. Having having regular, uh, you know, therapy or or just planned talking to somebody. Oh my that god! Is super, yeah, super there, helpful. There can be and, events in your life that you go through that you're unprepared for, grief, whatever, and being able to talk to somebody about this who's who's talked to other people who've gone through that. Uh, incredibly valuable incredibly incredibly valuable and I, I i absolutely think that it's a provides a very very valuable service there so i apologize if i two percent of them are fantastic and really helpful. <laughs> i'm sure it's it's difficult to find someone you get you get on well with. yeah and and yeah. it's not exactly a system that's easy to break into to find those people anyway and it's expensive yeah, and it is expensive. uh commenter says took me four therapists to find the one i've been seeing for seven. that's great i think that's that was being willing to say, hey, I need to find the right fit. I think that's good. Yeah. Yep. Kudos to you. Kudos to you for having the strength to sort of say, hey, I, I need to find something this different. They make I'm glad th- that you If they make a therapy bot, should should they make a William Shatner skin? Can they make skin? They could make skins for these, these, these I, chat bots. I want, I, I, want, love, I, want, I want a VTuber therapist. <laughs> I get shit yeah, digs I, to be my I, therapist. I love William Shatner, but I want the Leonard Nimoy one. Yeah. Because oh, he's so yeah. calming. Okay. In search of you. Ha! I want I want just a, like a like a tiki head. <laughs> just like, I, when he first said that, tell I thought me of a about shrunken your head. father. I thought of the shrunken head from like the Harry Potter Knights bus. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, that's a someone, whole other conversation. Someone would make a Doctor Melfi, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, that'd be like a pre. That'd be like an uh, HBO oh, would do. Somebody HBO would make like a Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter. I bet you Hannibal Lecter was probably really good. Oh. <laughs> that might that might actually be dangerous and bad just pay your just pay your bill just pay your bill 
Yeah. Respectful. <laughs> Captive don't, audience. Don't track mud on the carpet. <laughs> Dr. Cr- oh, Frazier Crane. Frazier. Oh, my God. Yeah. Got to be Frazier. Especially if it's like digital. You kind of you will. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toss right, salads and scrambled eggs, bot. Dot exe. Yeah. Hey, I got a pick. What did you pick? I like House of the Dragon. Yeah. I like House of the Dragon so much I was annoyed they didn't get their own theme song. I was like, give, your, give them their own theme song. It's competent, methadone, Game of Thrones. And I don't think it operates on all the levels that Game of Thrones did. It's a more pared-down story, which I think probably is, is a, a smarter decision if you're not adapting a whole thing and you, can, and you can kind of pick and choose and focus on something. So far, the acting's uh, 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 great. I'm enjoying the the the, the Game of Thronesy sort of uh, uh, political stuff uh, uh, around it, and uh, I like it. I like it so far. So, uh, which is good. A pleasant uh, a, a pleasant surprise because I was not expecting to like it. Hard to get the words because, like you know, the words to the Game of Thrones theme, Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get that out of your head. I I also dig it. I, watching it. Um, it feels different than all of the shows that like want to be Game of Thrones. Yes, uh, and I, I don't they, know they, they got they got the essence, and it might just be lighting forty thousand candles a scene. <laughs> like they, they the the candle budget on this show is insane. Yeah, and 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 I think part of it is just because it's such a very traditional script. You know, it's just scene and scene, and there's not like uh, over except for when the dragons cut. pop out. That's, wow, that's a little less traditional. But but I don't know. It's 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 interesting, and they yeah they do a good job of setting up interesting stakes and not just telling you all of the things you should be thinking. And and a good sneering. Who doesn't love a good sneering Matt Smith? You know, he went from Doctor Who to Prince Philip, and and now uh, uh, I like him when he's Morbius. Oh yeah, I didn't see more. I didn't I didn't see it's Morbin time. Uh, Wait, but, he was Morbius? No, he oh, was in no, Morbius. He was in Morbius. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, I I think uh, uh he he fits well into the uh, uh the universe. And and the the conflicts that they have are the kind of things that I'm like, "Oh, I was missing that. Medieval real politic decision making. You know, oh, should we do there's uh, four ships versus two t- t- attorneys. Uh, I don't know. So, uh, the mas- perhaps we should just drive a Ford F-150 into the <laughs> northern sea. But can the treasury bear it? Uh, let's take another 30 minutes. And I loved that when it mattered. You know, Game of Thrones early yes. on. That yes. Did- oh, yeah. Uh, we're not going to spend the budget on the wedding repercussions later on like uh budget talk blah 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 anything this is what happens yeah yeah no i think that and and there is part of what is valuable about paring down this story and it's not hopping all over the 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 globe in four different things like you you have a a, a better sense that we're just going to follow these three main characters they're going to interact with each other they're going to go on these kind of side quests uh I really like the villain that they introduced in in episode two. I think it's a really rad character design. I love the idea of that realm of of, of Game of Thrones, specifically any kind of the the naval elements. Uh, so uh, yeah, you're not you're not going to be distracted to be like, oh crap, we got to wrap up this thing real quick because we got to get back to these the, the 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 people that are the the main characters. We know who the main characters Meanwhile, are. 
Sansa. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Dragon uh, House. Hey, I got a pick. It started off a little bit slower than I dared hope, uh, but uh, boy, is it on fire right now. It is season four of What We Do in the Shadows. This last episode tickled me in all kinds of ticklish ways. I loved it. Uh, stuff paid off that you were just waiting to pay off. It was great. Yeah, they kind of break yeah. the format. I haven't watched this season yet, but to all you folks out there, if you're not watching what we do in the shadows, shame. Are, are, shame are, you, are you aware of what this, final, or what this most recent episode is, Andrew? Not a clue. So they've been setting up throughout this season. Uh, uh, one of the vampires is obsessed with a house flipping show on HGTV mm. or an HGTV-esque kind of network played and by so, uh, the Sklar brothers. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, we get just a full episode of it and the attention to detail in reality tropes that, that, uh, that goes into this episode is delightful. I, I immediately texted our, our mutual friend, uh, Katie Dirks, who has worked in reality television for the last, you know, I don't, I don't want to date her, but a while, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, we were just nerding out over every every little dumb trope that they that they worked L- into L- little details like uh, well, uh, don't spoil it. Well, okay, all right, don't spoil it. It's gonna enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. It's gonna enjoy. It's gonna yeah. yeah. I I'm looking forward to I look forward to discussing it with you, Brian, and geeking out over it. All right, but again, that show that is one of if you ask me, like, what are some of the best my top like top five best comedy in the last ten years. Um, I think you should leave. Yeah, uh, what we yep. do in shadows; those are just just. Uh, I could you know go on about scenes from either one of those. And just amazing, and this this season has been has been great, great season. Yeah, I got a pick. Pick uh, it up. This is maybe a little left field. Uh, I had seen, I had seen, I keep up with some of the entertainment news for Cord Killers, and I'd seen a thing and thought, oh, you know, I'd never seen that. I, I'll. I'll go watch that. Uh, and so over the weekend, I watched uh, Hellraiser. Whoa, the first one. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Nice. Uh, Welcome home. That's a that's a that's an interesting little movie, huh? Well, uh, if 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 you're able to imagine it, imagine when the internet wasn't there to explain to you this entire subculture, and this was just all of America's first introduction to BDSM sexuality with a supernatural twist. It was uh, quite a ride for when I was 12. It was uh, uh, very gory, uh, more kind of, I don't know. I didn't, I I really didn't know any, I only saw the Hulu news that, that they're doing a reboot or they bought the reboot for, for Hellraiser. So I, I thought, okay, it was on a Prime. Amazon Prime has, I think, at least the first couple of them. Um, I only watched the first one, but yeah, I, I it's interesting because I don't know. It feels like a, a a series that like is iconic, and then you watch it, uh, and it's like, oh, this is pretty cheap looking. This is uh, <laughs> yeah, it 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 for sure. And uh, but yeah, I think I saw it in a the theater as a teenager when that came out, and. I, it was pretty transgressive for the time, for the amount of gore and the and the torture and all that. Like, it, it, and like as Brian said at the time, like that was all new. Like, wow, these people wear these people like leather and vinyl, you know. And I'm like, welcome to the mind of Clive Barker. Yeah. Uh, so it it's it was very different. 
that lighting, a lot of that like fog and the blue light coming in from one direction, whatever. Very there is like a three year period or four year period where that was like everywhere. You could just date stuff with the lighting design, but a very different film, very different point of view on that. So yeah, almost a um, uh, uh, almost a Hitchcockian sort of 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 take of of kind of switching characters uh, halfway halfway yeah. through the movie. I don't know. It's 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 very interesting, and it's not the way I I would think a horror movie or a very hard genre sci-fi uh, supernatural adventure movie would go am, today. Am I remembering right in that the Cenobites weren't necessarily good or evil? They were just freaky, and they would just kind of show up to they just gawk at stuff. Well, they they uh, they got pleasure out of pain, right? Uh, and I guess they attracted humans who felt the same. And, I, and I, I, I assume, boy, it's been a minute, but I assume the end of the movie is they locked the box again. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they locked the box and only a couple of people died. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's, that's the franchise, right? Is that the Senate, but they really make it around pin, Pinhead. Let me give you the Wikipedia. Pinhead ah. is one of the leaders of the Cenobites, said to be humans who were later transformed in demonic creatures blindly devoted to the practice of experimental sadomasochism. They exist in an extra-dimensional realm that is hell or one of many versions of hell that coexist. They are usually only summoned to Earth via puzzle boxes. Usually. What do you sell, Brian? <laughs> Pleasure. Oh my god, pain. we need to call Hulu. Who is to say? <laughs> What is your pleasure, Justin? <laughs> Has there been a Hellraiser puzzle box? Uh, has to be. I, 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 I there has to have been. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure at some point. Yeah, yeah. certainly yeah, a prop or a replica. But yeah. but uh, in the comic books, they would do really clever stuff. Like um, uh, they would you you would be following the story of a blind musician who discovers a curious set of notes that feels dirty and wrong, and and the more he or she d uh, delves into them. Eventually, it becomes a a version of the puzzle. Or, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's one that's in space where they make a giant space box or whatever. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll him. Maybe we'll watch the sequels. Yeah. But yeah, that was pretty cool. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Prime it, Andrew. You got a pick? I do have a pick, and I have a confession. Oh. Although I'm an author, I uh, don't. Um, read as much as I should and have a very short attention span. And sometimes it takes me forever to finish a book to make my way through stuff. So I like short books. I like books that are like, you know, for audio, like 10 hours. It's good. It's good because I know I'll get to the end of it. Sometimes I like a big one, but uh, one of it, there's an author I really like, Alistair Reynolds, who I think writes really well, really good space opera stuff. But some of these books are very big, which is great. But for me and my short attention span, hard. Not challenge yeah hard mm. and he wrote a book called eversion and uh it's one of its shortest like i think one of his shortest novels it you know it's 353 words so it's still 353 pages which is pretty big it's like an eight hour audiobook and i enjoyed it it's it sort of follows kind of like one character one premise and uh you know somebody wants to read that description from the uh, uh, in the 1800s, a sailing ship crashes off the coast of Norway. In the 1900s, a zeppelin explores an icy canyon in Antarctica. In the far future, a spaceship sets out for an ancient alien artifact. 
or alien artifact. Each excursion goes horribly wrong, and on every journey, Dr. Silas Code is the physician, but only Silas seems to realize that these events keep repeating themselves. And it's up to him to figure out why and how and how to stop it all from happening again. A version now available. I, the premise, like from the kind of the opening, I'm like, oh, like, like I loved the TV film, the miniseries version of the terror and stuff, but like applying the terror to sci-fi and stuff. And so it's just, and you get there, you get to what the conceit is and it's still pretty enjoyable. And I like, like the writing and really enjoyed it. So your version is my recommendation. Cool. That was a good, always good, always good audio book recommendation as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I'm going to give this five stars because I like it. And that seems pretty, seems it's pretty been small. weird. Oh, because there's billions, trillions of stars. Quadrillion. We're all made of five star stuff. Hey, hey Justin, <laughs> how, how, how have you been? Pretty good, man. How are you? Yeah, how did I? Hey, Bryce, Bryce, how, how, how's it been for you? Uh, it's he, good. He said it. He already said it. Oh. Yeah, he said yeah this is like an epilogue. Oh, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, the epilogue where Brian doesn't know that he said it. Yeah, well, maybe I was going to buy that book that he was mentioning. Oh, um, you were too busy buying the book? Maybe. Okay. 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 The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.